Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Broadbent. Joining me once again is my co-host, Richie Schneiderite. Richie, Rutgers basketball is continuing to roll. They're on their fourth straight win. Jeremiah Williams is now 4-0 as a Scarlet Knight, as is Manuel Ogbo. Uh Rutgers won last night 63-60 to in a hard-fought victory over the Northwestern Wildcats in a very strange game. We'll get all into that. Uh, there's a notable New Jersey native who just entered the transfer portal we're going to talk about, and we got a gnome to give away. The Scarlet Knight gnome is getting sent home to a, its new family sometime <laughs> today. Uh, we'll pick the winner, and then we'll try and get in contact with you. Uh, let's talk about this basketball game first, though. Rutgers wins 63-60 to in a game that kind of went back and forth. Uh, Rutgers kind of owned the second half. Northwestern kind of owned the first half. Just tell us about, tell me about like your high level thoughts about how this game went. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, to start off with, uh, not having Mag was a kick in the nuts uh, right before tip off. Yeah. So, do you have any that, update on his injury status? It sounds like it was just knee soreness for the most part. Um, he was practicing the past couple of days. He and you heard Pike on the uh, post game presser. He even said like, "Hey, Mag practiced the past two days really well." Yeah, he um, said they were, they were they were his best two practices of the season. This past few days. Yeah. So for for that to happen, um, some it's just knee soreness um, from what I was told. It's not his ACL knee, but it's his other knee, which kind of makes sense because you're almost kind of putting a lot more pressure on that knee because you're kind of compensating and stuff. But uh, mm. yeah, no, he should he should be okay. Um, I say should be because you can never really tell with these things. These things could linger a little bit. Um, I'll speak from experience. I've had two knee surgeries back in 2012 and 2013. Every time I play basketball, I need to sit like at home for two days and not move. Like my <laughs> knees are swollen like afterwards. So um, maybe that's just me. I didn't have the same rehab and stuff that he has, like all the yeah, the, the yep. nice things I wish I would have had. But also kind of skipped rehab quite a bit too. So that's probably an issue in its own right. But <laughs> that's besides the point. Um, but yeah, no, I think he'll be okay. But uh, that happened. Noah Fernandes got hurt too. Um, so yeah. you had to dig deep into this bench, and I, I think that's kind of a – I shouldn't say that's what won you the game, but it definitely helped win you the game because you saw Oscar score nine in the first half. You saw um, – even before he made some stupid mistakes in the second half, Ogbo played some solid first half minutes. Um, yep. And Andre Hyatt, who's normally a bench player, came right off the bench and one of uh, showed his consistency once again in his leadership. So I thought this was just a great game for Rutgers. There was moments where I was like, oh, shit, here we go again. Yep. And this was it. Okay, that streak's over. But they, they managed to pull this one out. And uh, holy shit, they know how to shoot threes again. <laughs> yeah, this is a team that, you know, in Northwestern, they were coming in a man down as it is. They don't have a deep rotation. They weren't coming in with arguably their second best player in, in Ty Berry. And then early on in the game, you saw Ryan Langborn. He was getting uh, double teamed near the sideline. <clears throat> he was trying to create space. I couldn't tell in the stadium whether it was intentional looking or not. Yeah. He hits Jeremiah Williams with an elbow, I believe, mm-hmm. in the the, uh, the groin region. Yeah, they go to review. He gets kicked out now. of the yeah. He gets kicked <laughs> out of the game. So now they're they're without two of their 
top four players in Langborn and Ty Berry. Mm-hmm. And Boo Booey just goes off. The guy was just lights out in the first half. I I want to say he like didn't miss a shot in the first half. Um, if he did miss one, it was it was very. He was shooting like seventy percent at least in the first half. They kept leaving him open. He had 27 points to finish the game out of the team's 60. Uh, without him, they get you know dog walk. But that you can say that yeah. for a lot of teams if you don't have your best player. Um, Very true. But I do think one common theme we continue to see in these these games with Jeremiah Williams is we're getting contributions kind of from everybody. Like today, certain guys didn't have it, you know. But then you had guys like. Oscar Palmquist in the first half really lipped us up because, you know, we were losing by double digits with five minutes left in the, in the first half. And then we just hit shot after shot after shot. You know, it was a five-point game, and Boo hits that last second shot to make it seven. But, yeah. you know, Rutgers, early on in the season, they were doing the same stuff that we were doing yesterday. You know, we had a seven-minute stretch in the first half where we didn't score a point. Mm-hmm. And then we, you know, scored a little bit more. But we, we only scored... Uh, only scored five points in the next like six minutes too so it's it's not like we went we went one stretch where over uh 12 minutes we scored six points so Mm -hmm. you you can't do that as a uh you know power five basketball program but to their credit they came alive in the second half and you know in games earlier this year where we would have these stretches in the first half where we couldn't score we went Mm -hmm. down by double digits we would get the the, the margin down to four points, two, two points, but we can never really find a way to overcome that. And, you know, yesterday we did. We we had the lead early on in the game with about, like, 18 minutes left in the first half, and the next lead we had wasn't until, like, four minutes left in the second half. So they kept fighting, and they found a way to win. Um, but w- what a weird game overall. Just very strange. Rutgers was really struggling yeah. from the line for a while. Um if if Rutgers has you know an above average day from the line, this is a game they wouldn't going away, but that's not what happened. Um, but like you said, they're they're starting to find their rhythm from beyond the arc, and I think mm-hmm. that comes with getting shots in rhythm, <clears throat> and it also comes with getting shots that are good looks. They're not forcing many bad shots anymore, which is uh, I think in large part due to Jeremiah Williams being the primary facilitator. Which in the first half yesterday, let's be honest. He wasn't doing much of that, and I think that's why they struggled. Yeah. It was a lot of Derek Simpson taking the ball up. It was a lot of Jermichael Davis handling the ball, and it wasn't kind of their bread and butter formula that they found the last four games under Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy too because their best three point shooter last game was Noah Fernandes, and yes. he couldn't even play the entire second half due to a knee injury. So keep an eye on that. I don't know the details of that yet. Um, we should find out something within the next probably day or two. Um, hopefully before the Minnesota game, but. Eh, probably not. They'll probably wait till put them on the, the availability report and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, the three point shooting has been phenomenal. This was forty two percent from the field, forty two point nine. So I'll even go forty three technically. Um, fifty eight point eight the game before. This is like, yep. and then the other two wins that they had against Michigan and Maryland were fifteen and eleven percent. That that's yeah. just they're showing different ways how to win games, and mostly it's defense. Don't get me wrong, but they're showing if they can hit their threes. The sky's the limit. And well, if they hit their free throws, then I should say the sky's the limit because God forbid <laughs> they can hit one. Um, all, all Andre had to do was hit that one at the end, and that was it. Yeah, and instead, it's... you make people sweat for 4.8, 4.7 seconds, whatever the hell it was. 
Um, but hey, I got I got Rutgers yesterday minus two and a half, so I was I was sweating yeah. pretty hard. And you <clears> missed the front end of that one and one. I was a little Jeez, uh, a little salty, man. but um, great defensive performance though. Well, yet again, um, everyone on this team. Uh, we saw Derek Simpson log some good minutes. Uh, we saw Jermichael Davis obviously be a pest as as per normal. Jeremiah Williams, great defender. Uh, Andre Hyatt stepped up quite a bit for a guy that uh, I don't, I don't want to like say he was phenomenal offensively because he just had an okay game shooting the ball and he did miss that one free throw, which kind of should have. But he was four for should... four prior to that shooting free throw. That's so true. We'll give him a little credit. <clears throat> yeah. Now he had a good game though. He stepped up where he had to. Yep. Um, this is a guy that's been relegated to the bench. He was a starter all season, probably their most consistent scorer, relegated to the bench and then came back in as a starter today or yesterday and just turned it on. Um, I just thought it was a great overall performance. Um, the re- the defense was just phenomenal. Nine uh, yeah. nine straight possessions for Northwestern in the second half from the nine-minute mark to the three-minute mark where they could not score a bucket. Yep. That's phenomenal. Like That's just really good defense. And that's against Boo Booey, who, mind you, still dropped 27. So just great, great game for Rutgers. Yeah. Cliff had a f- phenomenal game. If you look at his mm-hmm. box score, nine rebounds, nine points, two steals, five blocks, the guy was just all over the place defensively. Yeah. Um, you know, even a guy like Jeremiah Williams, I didn't realize how many blocks he had in the game. Obviously, he had that yeah, one on one Nicholson was that was arguably the, the play that turned the game. Um, but he had three blocks in this game. Derek Simpson had four steals. Jermichael Davis had another two steals. Um, just all around, these guys are just playing like a hive of bees on defense where they're all playing in unison. They're not... There's very few instances where guys are getting lost in terms of switches, in terms of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're doing really well at fighting through screens. They're doing really good at blitzing on uh, high pick and rolls, too. If you notice that, like, yeah. most teams do drop coverage in those situations where very few, like, blitz the ball handler. I know that yeah. uh, Houston is known for that, and they're one of the mm-hmm. best defenses in the country. And they you start to see that happen, too, because we, we have Cliff, who's one of the most athletic, agile big men in the country, where... <laughs> You know, he can make up that ground when you blitz the ball okay. handler and then drop back quick enough where the guy can't make that wide open pass. So I just think what they're doing on defense is just incredible. Plus his wingspan too also helps with yes. that. He's got a seven foot six wingspan. So I mean <clears throat> Yeah, he had one incredible athletic uh steal early in the game too, where he was falling down out of bounds, he was sitting on his butt. And they tried to like pass it over him, and he just like snatched it, like you know those yeah. wide receiver drills where they just like sit on the ground and try and catch balls one handed. That's yeah. that's what it was like. But yeah, like um, like you said, they're attacking that ball defender, and it, you can easily do that when you have guys that have speed. Well, what, number one, you when you have that athletic, lengthy big man, just for starters. Mm-hmm. On all, on top of it, you also have that speed with Derek Simpson, Jermichael Davis, and and I'd even say Jeremiah Williams as well. Um, but going back to that block, man, like that that's such an impressive block for the sole fact that. Nicholson's seven foot. Yes. Uh, Jeremiah Williams is six foot four. Then that's what they're both listed at. Mind you, that c- it could be different than eight inches difference, but it could be less. It could be more. The fact that he got up that high to make that block is just, it was just a beautiful thing of beauty, to be honest. Perfect. Yeah, because I don't block. think we've seen him dunk a ball yet either. So I was kind of unsure yeah. athletically where he was at, but he was all, he was every bit of as athletic as you need to be there. That could just be probably a nerves type thing too. Um, yeah. Just because you're kind of like, oh shit, I don't really want to go up for a dunk because God forbid I do. Like, 
you get nervous. You don't know, really know what you're doing because after an Achilles injury, especially you, you land and it's like, oh shit! Like you saw, who was it, Quiff the other day, land on someone's foot and like tweak is it? Not, I shouldn't say tweak it, but like you get nervous when stuff like that happens. That's how I tore my ACL the first time. I land yeah, on someone's ankle and it just yeah. pops out, and it was like, all right, great. But um, yeah, great game for Rutgers. Really good game. Yeah, um, just. You can't really say a whole lot more. They just they played really well. Um, they fought through adversity. You know they didn't have one of their best players in Watt Mag. Northwestern mm-hmm. didn't have some of their best players, um, but they found a way to win, and they have <clears throat> a resume now that is I would say I'd say at this very moment with six games left, they are on the bubble. Yeah, their net is eighty six now, I believe, according to Brad Wachtel. Actually, they have well, seven huge, games left. But... Sorry. So they have uh, four road games remaining and three home games remaining. So they're currently three and eight against quad one teams, mm-hmm. three and one against quad two teams, two and one against quad three teams, and six and zero oh against quad four teams. I'm gonna actually share this uh, out because I know the, la- the last podcast somebody was like, "You guys are gonna recite stuff. Show us, show us on the screen at least." <laughs> so it's it's interesting too because like the quad records are very similar to like Rutgers quad record is very similar to Seton Hall's. Seton Hall's is very similar to St. John's. St. John's and Seton Hall are sixty and forty something or fifty something, and mm-hmm. uh, Rutgers is in the eighties now. Mind you, I know someone asked on our boards about this. Uh, I think it's solely for the fact that the Big East is just better than the Big Ten this year. The Big Ten is bad this year. Yeah. Um, but they, that is a Northwestern team who was an at-large bid. So that is a huge win um, regardless. Now, I don't think it was Q1. It's Q2 technically. But you also just got two Q1 wins because Maryland moved up to 75. So, And Wisconsin yeah. was uh, 20 or whatever the hell, the hell they were. So, I mean, that's that's it's a big difference. So yep. it's just, you know what sucks is if that Penn State game was flip-flopped and they won that one, I know. You're probably fifteen and nine, seven sig- and six. Yeah, you're probably significantly higher than what is it, eighty five? You said eighty six. They're eighty six right now. Yeah, so they would be significantly higher. So if we're looking at this remaining schedule. We have a quad two game on Sunday night against Minnesota. Yep. And then we have a quad uh, one game on the road against Purdue later next week. Um, I feel like we of the four remaining road games, we play at Purdue, at Wisconsin at Nebraska, and at Minnesota. I feel like we have to split those two. And then we have to win the final three home games against Ohio State, against Michigan, and against Maryland. So we got to defend home court to get to 3-0, and we got to split the final two, the final four road games. So we got to get to 5-2 and two over the final seven in order to make the tournament, or at least in order to have a shot at making the tournament. And we saw last year, it didn't really matter that we won a game in the Big Ten tournament. That was seen, you know, we talked a lot about how, you know, that was a an opportunity to kind of like shore up the resume and that didn't really even matter. So I do think that five and two with a Big Ten tournament win, and I just said they don't matter, but it, it looks better to win a game than to lose a game. So give us the five and two and a Big Ten tournament win. I think we have a really good case to make the tournament. What about you? I'm going to show you something real quick. I'm going to pop this up on the screen. This is the first, the final four that are considered in, and the final four that are final three. And compared to Rutgers? And Rutgers, yeah. Our final four in and final four out compared to Rutgers. Um, Hold on. Wait, I just had it. Where the hell did it go? 
God damn it. I just had it popped up, but um I don't know how to fix it now. Whatever. I added Rutgers as the fourth team. Instead of the final four, it's final three out and then Rutgers. But okay. if you look at it, like it's not as crazy as it sounds. <clears throat> the first four are the four last four in. And then Rutgers is one of is the last one there, obviously. Um they've played more Q one games. This team has yeah. what, three losses on in Q three? That should I don't even know how the hell they're making it. Yeah, yep. Like it's it's really not that hard. Hey, you you upset Purdue. I, I might I'm looking ahead of already because I think they're gonna beat Minnesota. Um you upset Purdue and you're in. Not in, but you're you'll be in the in the uh field. I would it, think it's certainly that is like the biggest opportunity <clears throat> to make a statement. Going on yeah. the road. They did it last year, so this, some of these guys in this team know what it's gonna take. Mm. But you win the Purdue game. And it really does kind of wash away the, the sins of the early part of the season. Um, but I don't want to put that kind of, it's not like, you know, anybody on the team listens, but I don't want to put that kind of pressure on the team to, to win against uh, the best team in the country, arguably, at, at, at their home place, which is one of the toughest places in the country to win. Oh, that's um, right, yeah. But yeah, certainly beating Purdue in <clears throat> Mackey would be a, a tournament super... Uh, booster for the for the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Yeah, I mean, number two team in the country, a team that you kind of just played really well against without Jeremiah Williams, if I recall. Um, mm-hmm. So it's tough. Yeah, I, that was a game they were down up. by two points with five minutes left, and they just yeah. couldn't find a way to continue to close them out. Um, so, yeah, Jeremiah Williams in that game, mm-hmm. they have a better chance to win than they did without him. Let's just say that. Yeah, Cliff's just got to stay out of foul trouble because... Um, after yes. yesterday, uh, Emmanuel Ogbo, uh, I don't know. I, I know there was a hype train a little bit about him on our boards, but yeah, um, that was just not a good performance from him. And, and you can't play Oscar at the five against <laughs> Zach Eady. So. No, you can't. Um, and <clears throat> maybe Wolf Wolf's resurgence. Ru- maybe, maybe. I don't know. Maybe, I mean, Rucker's so. Rucker's going to get a different, a different whistle on the road too. So true, true, very true. It's a Purdue team that's. The only hope for the Big Ten this year, seems like. Yep. So, yeah, I would uh, be intrigued to see how that one plays out. Um, it's Thursday, next Thursday, I think. Yeah, next Thursday. And and with this win, Rutgers moves into a tie for seventh place in the Big Ten. They were, you know, a game away from falling into last place yeah, as recently as two weeks ago. So, huge turnaround. Um, Minnesota played Purdue tight last night. Mm-hmm. They were winning by 10 at one point. Yeah. Minnesota was at Mackey in the second half and Purdue so just kind of rolled through them in the, the rest of the second half. Um, so maybe, you know, after our heartbreaking loss against Purdue, we went and laid the stinker of all stinkers against Penn State. So you got to hope there's some residual, uh, you know, hangover from this game for them. Um, but that's kind of all I got in basketball. Is there anything else you want to hit up? Before we we move on to another topic, um, I just mentioned it, but the the Wolfolk thing is kind of interesting. Um, I th- I almost think you need him going forward at least a yeah. little bit, um, especially with Ogbull kicking people. <laughs> that was unacceptable. So, yeah, yeah, that can't happen. And then as soon as he gets in the game in the first half, he checks in, he just throws the guy to the ground, and I'm like, dude, yeah. like you have the weight, you have the strength, you have the body, just box him out, <laughs> like. Um, so yeah, I think, I think we're going to have to see some more Wolf Wolf folk. Um, and then one of four from the free throw line is just also unacceptable, but that's, 
that's their free throws this year in general. So I can't really knock just him on that one. But um, yeah, I mean, they, they held Northwestern to one of 10 to end the game. Um, great defensive performance. This is an old school Steve Peichel team, and it's a crazy resurgence. Now they need Mawat. They did that without Mawat Mag, by the way. Um, I know we, we mentioned it, but it's just so impressive that they're doing. They held Northwestern to their season low without their best defender. <laughs> so insane. Yeah, this is a team that, you know, is regularly putting up 80, 90 points a game. So, yeah, great to see this kind of defensive performance. Um, Absolutely crazy. So let's talk about a, a an interesting transfer portal name that just entered today. Uh, Keon Sab, who is Michigan yep. starting safety. He is originally from Glassboro, New Jersey. He entered the portal. Do you think any chance Rutgers goes after him? I think you reach out. I think you see, uh, hey, any interest? Like, hey, your brothers are down the street. I think one's at Glassboro or both at Glassboro. Um, I think both, I know, both are at Glassboro. Yeah, because I know Keon transferred a couple times. He was at Glassboro, then went to IMG, and he came back to Glassboro. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, or no, he was at Williamstown. I forget. Somewhere down the Might have been Williamstown, but yeah, it's, yep. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be interesting because he's honestly one of the best safeties in the in the nation um so it's definitely going to be interesting to see where he ends up um that being said i'd be a little shocked if it was ruckers uh he didn't have ruckers in his recruitment really that much uh coming out of high school he had a clemson he actually was one time clemson commit before decommitting and then going to michigan um but had clemson oregon penn state georgia texas a.m and lsu in his top six i will say i i I know you, you you don't want to hear this out loud but the reason Georgia was there was because of Fran Brown. Mm-hmm. I also think I think Syracuse is going to make a push. I heard Ohio State's going to make a push, although that's a little weird one because Caleb Downs did just go there. You said uh, we said this off the pod, but we're re- rehashing it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he went back to Clemson because he does have a good relationship there. Also, keep an eye on Oklahoma because he, that relationship at Clemson kind of started from uh, uh, Coach Venables. So. It's going to be interesting to see where he goes. Um, if it's NIL related, I think Oregon's in play, um, or very much in play, because uh, he was very big on Oregon before committing, and honestly, Oregon has a insane NIL bank. But then again, now Miami has an NIL bank, and that was Cristobal's team when he was recruiting him. So it's uh, a lot of co- coaches have moved around. Um, he Texas A&M, he was <laughs> being recruited by Coach Robinson, who's now at Syracuse as well. Um, and that was in their top six. So I, I don't want to say it's going to be Syracuse, but I do think they're going to have a legitimate shot at him. And, uh, I don't think he comes back to Jersey. I think Rutgers is also pretty content with their safeties as well. So there's that. Yeah. I figured, you know, you're going to get questions about it. Might as well get out in front of it so you can get something on the record. I, I think I'm right there with you. This is a kid who seemed to have, uh, you know, stars in his eyes when, the first time you went around, you don't go to IMG if you're not trying to like go to a blue blood for the most part. Yep. You know his his top six in high school or whatever you said it was. Uh, you know it was all yeah. blue blood. So I expect him to end up at a blue blood. We'll see which one it is, but mm-hmm. um, it might. It's probably not going to be Rutgers. No. Um, that being said, uh, I didn't look into the Georgia Southern team. Georgia Southern. Georgia State. Georgia which State. One? Georgia State. Um, they just suspended spring practice, so that was. Kind of- kind of uh wild yeah and i talked about this but this is just another example and if you, if you haven't been 
uh, following that story. The Georgia State head coach left two practices into spring practice to become, I think it's South Carolina's tight ends coach and run game coordinator. Um, This is just another example of a G5 or FCS head coach leaving to go to be a an assistant not even a coordinator an assistant on a power five uh programs roster like you saw this you have uh matt entz who is he's won mm-hmm. two, two national titles with north dakota state and he's you know been ranked in the top five every year he's been their coach he left this offseason to become usc's linebackers coach and assistant head coach you know, Sean Lewis left uh, Kent State to become Deion Sanders' OC last OC. year. Yeah. Um, this guy named Chip Kelly. Chip <laughs> Kelly, yeah, just left UCLA yeah. to be Ohio State's uh, OC. I think it it's basically these programs that know they're kind of at a loss right now in how college football set up, where you can't get any of the, the kids you're trying to recruit because you don't have the NIL. You can't keep the kids mm-hmm. that you develop because of NIL. And you feel like you're just constantly spinning your tires. And it makes more sense to to go to a bigger program, kind of develop yourself as a coach more, get a little bit higher uh, in terms of a, a stature, and then maybe you get like a power five job. And that that's kind of what I gather. I mean, Chip Kelly seems like he doesn't want to just deal with any of the shit that he had to deal with at US, UCLA. So uh, especially recruiting, I don't, I don't think he's big on the whole recruiting kids, so, at least from what I've read uh, about him. So they do have one name that's interesting. And we've actually mentioned him in the past, uh, former Bucknell transfer cornerback, Gavin Pringle mm, played for, yes, played and recruited was recruited by and played for Joe Susan at Bucknell. Um, entered the portal, Maryland native. Um, I think Rutgers probably could have had him if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, but something, something to keep an eye on. He was an all Sunbelt cornerback last year. So this was a yeah, over keep year, an eye on him. If, yeah. if there was going to be anybody from this roster, I think you're right. It probably would be him. Um, yeah, it would make a lot of sense um, based on the fact that they like to add like a, they would like to add a veteran cornerback presence. So, yep. um, Definitely can't hurt. Redshirt senior um, has one more year left, and it all all conference. I mean, hey, what's up? You want to come try this at the Big Ten level? <laughs> yep. So, um, all right. So let's let's uh, give away this gnome. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so we've been for those of you who haven't been following, uh, welcome back. But Ruck, Richie has a a Rutgers gnome. branded gnome that he's giving away. And these are all the the people who either left a comment in our YouTube videos uh, mentioning the gnome, or left a review for us on uh, different podcasting platforms mentioning the gnome. I'm just going to spin it, and uh, we'll we'll announce your name, and uh, Richie will uh, try and contact you. Reach out to Richie yeah. if you're the winner. His email is ruRichie at gmail.com. So if you win. Reach out to him. So let's spin. Peter T. Fan? Peter T. Fan. You are the winner of the gnome. Uh, (laughs) Get back to us. Uh, Reach out to Richie at ruritchie at gmail.com. If we don't hear from you, we're going to rerun this next week. So, Peter T. Fan, 
reach out to Richie and we will get this gnome sent out to you. Yeah. Woohoo. Gnome. All right. Uh, that's kind of everything I got. You got anything else you wanted to hit on before we head out of here? Um, not, not that I could think of. Uh, baseball starts today. You can't watch it because all these stadiums, for some reason, just don't have any type of streaming service. It's down at Winthrop, uh, Rock Hill, South Carolina. So we'll see how that goes because they're a pretty decent team. Um, I think they had a pretty good record. They finished 28. Uh, they finished 28 and 28 last year. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, I think Rutgers is going to have a pretty good season. Um, I think they're projected to finish. I shouldn't say I think. I know they're projected to finish uh, third in the Big Ten, which would put them in the Big Ten tournament for the first time maybe ever. Um, no, I feel like they were in it recently. Uh, I can't remember. But uh, they have a really good shot at the NCAA tournament this year. So let's, uh, let's see what they could do. Yeah. Um, it seems like they have a, a really good squad and – Obviously, they have a great coach. Um, so. Yeah. All right. Thanks, for everybody, for listening. Once again, uh, we really appreciate all of you who have participated in the Gnome Contest. We do have another giveaway that we're going to do uh, before the spring game. We don't know exactly when, but I think it's a prize that everyone's going to like. So uh, anybody yeah. who didn't get in on this one has the opportunity to, to get on the next. And anyone who entered this one can also enter the next one as well. Also, uh, but- real quick before you sign off, um, Looking into doing a potential giant spring game tailgate type thing. So that's, That'd be cool. I don't know if you guys would be interested. If you are interested, just shoot a comment down below. Just say type tailgate or something. Just because I'm trying to trying to figure out how much of an interest there would be in having like a giant TKR tailgate and stuff like that. Yeah, no, that'd be awesome. Um, yeah, especially because it's pretty much open season lots for the tail exactly. for the the spring game. So it's the easiest way to do it. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I'd, I'd be down. Um, we could say a final hurrah to the blue lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, those people who are not going to be happy about that getting yeah. that wound getting reopened. Yeah, sorry. Um, I had to say it. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, all right, everybody. For me and Richie, this has been another edition of the Night Report Podcast. So- Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.